Welcome to Sports Rivals with Monty and Ernie. Lively, entertaining banter on sports topics you want to hear. How's it going, everyone? Wherever you are and however you may be listening, we want to welcome you to the Sports Rivals with Ernie and Monty. We've got another great show ahead of you uh, for you today. We'll take a look at the NFL Draft, which is just three weeks away. But first, Ernie, the NCAA final game is set. Yes, Baylor versus Gonzaga. And what a, what a second matchup game between Gonzaga and UCLA. <laughs> One of the classics for all time, I bet. One of the classics. And I'd like to hear, since you are a Gonzaga fan and somebody who has been riding them uh, throughout the, you know, this whole tournament, what your perspective on top of this was. Well, as uh, all of you can probably hear, you hear me coughing, uh, no voice. Full disclosure, you guys all know that my favorite teams were Gonzaga and Michigan. UCLA took out Michigan the other day. And almost took out Gonzaga today. Honestly, I, I think one of the greatest NCAA tournament games in history because both teams played well. It wasn't as if UCLA gave Gonzaga a fight because Gonzaga played terrible. And it wasn't that Gonzaga survived because UCLA didn't play well. UCLA played almost a perfect game. Yes. They shot 60% from the field. Mm-hmm. All of their players hit clutch shots. I mean, Jazang has been unbelievable right. in this tournament. I mean, just unbelievable. He looks like he should be turning pro because his stock is never going to be higher. But in this game, you had Campbell hitting shots in the first half. You had Riley hitting shots all game long. Mm-hmm. You had Jaquez hitting the hitting shots, playing great D, hustling, and hitting that clutch three at the end. It was a remarkable game that ended with a remarkable shot. Uh, yeah, we were screaming, my wife, my daughter, <laughs> who was a recent graduate, and, and myself, we were screaming in our house. We fully expected police and fire department to show up thinking that somebody had been killed. Uh, what an incredible, incredible game. It was. My wife actually wanted me to pick some fruit in the backyard. I said... Are you kidding me? <laughs> there is no way unless you have some physical ailment that needs immediate attention that I am leaving this seat right now. What an incredible game. I mean, the last the last minute had ebbs and flows uh, leaning on both sides of the team. I mean, the block, the block on Riley from Suggs. And then to recover the ball, a couple right. of steps, bounce past the Tilly for a dunk. It was an incredible, yeah. incredible play. I mean, Tilly playing with four falls. Uh, Drawing the charge exactly. at the very end of regulation. Uh, it was it was it was remarkable. And they were roughing up Timmy in the beginning, but Timmy dominated the second half. Uh, 25 points, I believe he ended up with. He was a monster in there. Um, the only thing is. Gonzaga will not beat Baylor if Corey Kispert doesn't find the shot Mm. because he had two chances in the last minute to ice the game, miss both times. His shooting has been off other than the first game round one against Norfolk State uh, in this tournament. His shooting has been off for about a month now. And if he doesn't find that, Gonzaga is going to be in trouble because Baylor found their shooting today. I mean, they were lights out in the first half. 
I think they were like 70% from three in the first half. Mm -hmm. Jared Butler was four for five. Everyone was hitting shots and uh, they looked awesome. They looked like they were peaking at the absolute right time. Yeah, very much in contrast to the UCLA-Gonzaga game that uh, the first matchup was very anticlimactic from the get-go. Baylor had uh, very much control of that game and uh, took it to a 19-point win at the end. They're peaking. I mean, when we were back three months ago, when we were just doing our trailers, mm -hmm. and we did a trailer about the NCAA, at that time I had said, it looks like a collision course between Gonzaga and Baylor. And that's what we have. Mm -hmm. I mean, Baylor took a step back, you know, with the COVID situation back right. in late January and early February, but they are back to their peak performance. And we're going to get the two most dominant teams and what we hope will be one of the greatest games, championship games in NCAA history. You know, I'm hoping so because, you know, if it even comes close to, to, to uh, today's second matchup, it's going to be a great game. And we, we you definitely have the players uh, on stage for this Monday night matchup to make that happen. I mean, the three-guard combo of Teague, Butler, and Mitchell versus the ever-powerful Gonzaga lineup. And like you said, uh, off-air, uh, you had Timmy not even mentioned in the top 100 of uh, eligible draft players. He He's going definitely... Higher than you know what? I, I've been watching him because I believe from the beginning of the season that he has the best footwork I have seen in a big man in a long time. And it was perplexing to me that he has not shown up, not even in the first round or the second round. He's not even listed in the top 100 players eligible for the draft. I don't understand that at all. I take him on the Lakers in a heartbeat. Oh, I he, mean, in a heartbeat, I would add him. Because it's not just his play, it's his IQ, and it's his confidence. It is just amazing how confident he is. Yeah, he just doesn't match for the Lakers, I'm sorry to say. <laughs> he looks better in green. <laughs> he probably does. He kind of matches the look matches of the Celtics. The of he does match the look of the Celtics, but... Uh, Oh gosh, that would be a, such a disaster if that happened. <laughs> but let's take an early look. I mean, back in our brackets, I had Gonzaga winning it all. I had them playing Illinois. You have Baylor winning it all. So it's going to be our, my team versus your team or right. who you thought was going to win right. in the championship game. Uh, you alluded to some of the matchups, but where do you think, what do you think is going to be the difference in this game? Boy, it's, it's, I think the difference is going to be coming down to can Baylor make play against Gonzaga like how they play today? And what I mean by that is make a consistent three-point shot as well as play pressure defense. I don't think our, uh, Houston saw that type of defense uh, today. They were just out, outplayed on that side of the ball. Now, if they can do that versus Gonzaga, who's coming off a very emotional win, you know, and have Gonzaga guessing it's going to be a tight game. Now, on the flip side, if they don't do that, it can be a blowout with Gonzaga winning. I either see it as a close Baylor win or a Gonzaga blowout. That's what I see. Yeah, I mean, it could be probably, I mean, I don't see a blowout. I mean, I, I do think that these are the, the two best teams. Uh, it'll come down to if Baylor shoots the way they shoot today, they're going to be a very, very tough out.
if they shoot the way they did the first three or four games in this tournament where they won because of their sheer athleticism, mm-hmm. then I think Gonzaga is probably going to pull this out. But there's matchups. The guard, you have Jared Butler, Davion Mitchell, and T against uh, Suggs, Ayayi, and Nebhart. Probably as good as Suggs is, as good as Ayayi played today, Nebhart made a couple of key shots. Advantage there is probably... Yeah, the to ball, Baylor. The ball handling. Yeah, because they all can shoot, they all can defend, and Davion Mitchell reminds me of Donovan Mitchell mm. of of the Utah Jazz. Oh, I mean, I they, they play very similarly, and his burst is outstanding. But down low, Kispert and Timmy has to dominate the matchup with the two guys down low for, for Baylor. Right. And like I said... I think Corey Kispert is going to be the wild card. I think Timmy has shown who he is. He shows up every single game so Mm -hmm. far. uh, I think Suggs is going to be fine. Um, But Kispert will be the difference. If Kispert is Kispert, I like Gonzaga's chances. If Kispert is how he's been, where he's 6 for 19, missing key shots, not hitting his three, then it's going to be a challenge for Gonzaga because Baylor's deeper. Mm -hmm. You know, you have Mayer that comes in off the bench. Uh, He played really well today. Uh, Gonzaga goes seven deep at best, best. with Anton yeah. Watson and yeah. Cook that come in sporadically. Um, if if Gonzaga gets into foul trouble, that's going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be a spectacular game. I mean, I I can't wait. I mean, I was excited today. Um, I can't wait for Monday. Uh, I feel badly now that Gonzaga has won. I can say this. I feel mm-hmm. badly for UCLA because. My two teams, right? Michigan and Gonzaga. They took out Michigan. But the thing about the Michigan game, it was 51 49. Mm-hmm. The only reason they beat Michigan is Michigan missed six few, uh, free throws out of 10. Mm-hmm. And Michigan missed their last eight shots. Mm-hmm. But Michigan held UCLA to 38% shooting. Mm-hmm. UCLA shot 60% today and still lost. Yeah. That's because Gonzaga can make shots as well. Right. And their shots were in, like, I took, like we spoke off here. Uh, the Gonzaga shots, even though they they, they shot uh, as typical Gonzaga field goal shooting goals, they were tougher shots. There wasn't the uh, all those steals, all those uh, cut plays on the inside for for easy layups. Those were toughly contested shots. UCLA had a great Cronin had a great game plan for Gonzaga. I mean, if 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 I were to give an MVP today out of everybody on the court, I would give it to Coach Cronin. That was a terrific game plan by, by the UCLA squad. They, they, they maximized that to 110%. Yeah, and, and that's, that's what I mean. I mean, it is not like UCLA lost that game. It is that Gonzaga won the game. Right. And there's a big difference. I mean, UCLA did everything in their power, and they were beaten – by a 45-foot last-second shot off the backboard. Off last. <laughs> by Mr. Suggs. It was it was an incredible game. Uh, an incredible... The first game was a snooze fest because yes. Baylor jumped on them early. early. It was a very, yeah. very lackluster game. The second game made... Totally made up for that. Mm. With much too much stress for my liking. <laughs> it took me a while to calm down. I'll be honest, I had to take a shot to calm myself down before coming here to record. But uh, we're super excited that the Gonzaga Bulldogs pulled it out. And I am looking forward to Monday's game. I think no matter what happens, I think the two best teams are playing. And right. they the best team win. Right. And I think the best team 
is going to win. I think if Baylor had not gotten into COVID protocol and COVID situation, they probably wouldn't have lost the game to Kansas and Oklahoma State. Mm -hmm. Both teams could probably be undefeated at this point. They've been that good all year long. And I don't remember the last time, Ernie. When was the last time that you remember the two best teams? Not just one v one, but the consensus two best teams in the nation playing for the title. Oh, that's it's you know in recent memory I, I, I can't even think of it. Neither can I. I don't remember when was the last time you had that. I mean, I can think back to maybe a, a Duke versus Kansas type situation, or but uh, those times they weren't one versus one. This is clearly number one versus number two all year long for the title. Yeah. It's gonna be amazing. Yeah, and to. Th- Figure that it, how this all started in this field of 64. Well, UCLA had to play in, so you could more than 64. And the craziness that happened with all the upsets coming in from, of course, UCLA being one of them, Oral Roberts, and all that madness that happened in between that, you know, when the dust settles, these two teams being, you know, are coming up to play for the national championship. Well, the cream definitely rolls to the yes, top. Yes. I mean, the cream rolls to the top barely in Gonzaga's face. They had to struggle to do that. But what an exciting day. What an exciting game on Monday. And the Loyola of Chicago coach, did you see that? He left for Oklahoma yesterday oh. after Oklahoma's coach retired. So a uh, little surprising because yes. I think he is an unbelievable coach. Mm-hmm. And Oklahoma's a good job, but there's going to be some better jobs, I would think like North Carolina, Mm. Coach Roy Williams retiring. But they tend to stay in-house. I'm guessing Hubert Davis will get that job. But uh, just unbelievable. I'm just so excited. I'm so excited for Monday. (laughs) You know what? I'm excited for you. (laughs) It was an incredible, incredible, incredible game. Uh, And Gonzaga versus Baylor, number one, 31-0 Bulldogs versus 27-2 Baylor Bears. The top two teams, 9 20 Eastern on Monday. I'll definitely be there. I'll be there too. All right, gang. When we come back, we're going to shift gears. We're going to start talking about the NFL draft. Who are the top quarterback prospects? A bunch of them had uh, pro days this week. We're going to cover who we believe are the top prospects. And later, we'll go through Todd McShay's latest round, two-round draft that he had, mock draft that he had this week. We'll share our thoughts on what he thinks is going to happen right after the break. All right, I think I've relaxed enough after that NCAA talk. Now we're going to shift gears into the NFL. The draft, believe it or not, is just three weeks away. We're right around the corner. A number of NFL prospect quarterbacks had their pro days this week, including Justin Fields and Mac Jones. Trey Lance had his last week. So what we want to do is we just want to cover who we believe are the top five or six quarterbacks in this class. I think the consensus is that there's five for sure in the first round. There's one that may or may not slip into the back end of the first round, but certainly a second round pick. And that would be, in my opinion, Kyle Trask. Um, But Ernie, how do you see, well, let's be honest. Number one is obvious. Trevor Lawrence is going to be the first player in the draft. We alluded to this a couple of weeks back when we talked about how Mel Kuyper said that Trevor Lawrence is one of the top four quarterback prospects he's ever seen, along with Elway, Andrew Luck, and Peyton Manning. That's some high, high praise. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think Trevor Lawrence to the Jaguars are a lock. 
It seems as if Zach Wilson to the Jets is now a lock as well. Uh, after his pro day, they're ooing and eyeing on his roll left, throw right, seven yards on the dot. Um, so he looks like he's going to the Jets. God rest his soul <laughs> going there. Um, but it really gets interesting after that. Who's your number three quarterback? For me, I like Trey Lance. I mean, he's coming from a small school, but that small school has already produced uh, a, uh, an NFL caliber quarterback. Started off well, but, you know, I think Trey Lance can even be better than him. I mean, the, his athleticism, uh, just his poise, even though he has a small uh, sample size in regards to playing football last year, I mean, just on paper, what he can do, and from all accounts on, uh, on how he approaches the game and how he wants to learn, and all the other intangibles that come along with that quarterback position as far as leadership and whatnot, points in the right direction for me. I mean, I, I, I look at him as how uh, we look at Mahomes. I mean, Mahomes came out as unpolished quarterback with all the right tools. And that's the way I, I, I see Lance, I mean, in that, in, that, uh, in that manner. So you would have him as your third quarterback off the board. And then where do you have um, – who's next? From Fields there, or Mac Jones or I have how do you see it? I have Mac Jones just because he's been playing in the SEC. Uh, SEC is like the NFL in my opinion, or not very far off from that. I mean, you're uh, by playing the SEC, you're you're already playing against future Pro Bowlers. We all we already know that. I mean, the amount of talent that comes out of that conference is is ridiculous, and to have that experience, uh, seeing how other quarterbacks did it. Uh, Tango Bailoa right before him. I mean, uh, he's had the right mentorship. Uh, very hard to go against what he has versus the rest of the field over there. So. Yeah, so you know what has been interesting is I, I'm going to disagree uh, with that. I believe, I, for me, I have Justin Fields as my number three. Mm. Um, he had a good pro day this week. He, had, he was the number one recruit in the nation coming out, went to Georgia, had some issues there, so he transferred to Ohio State. Really had two spectacular seasons. Um, what impressed me most about him was how he played against Clemson in the semifinals. He really lit him up with broken ribs or severely bruised ribs. He had probably his best game, and he didn't do that badly against Alabama as well, playing injured. Um, I just believe he has the talent. He has the arm. He has the speed. He ran a 4-4-40 uh, this week that I think matters. The... The knock on him that I was hearing this week is that he tends to be the type of player that is the last person to practice and the first one to leave. Yes. And if that's true, that's not what you want in your quarterback. No, the quarterback has to be first in, last out. Um, and if you're, if you're the opposite, then that's going to be a concern. Right. Uh, I do like Trey Lance as well, but I am a little cautious. I mean, he had one year at the low D level. This, this year, in his second year, he had one game that he played, mm -hmm. but he has the physical attributes. He can run. He's thick. He has a good frame. He has a good arm. Um, you, I just don't know if he's going to be the next Carson Wentz, who started off strong before injuries knocked him back a little bit, or not. Um, but I certainly think he's going to go in the top five picks. I, I do like I do like his potential. I just think there's a little bit more unknown with Trey Lance than there is with Justin Fields. And then with Mac Jones, um, 
it's weird because this week when the 49ers made that massive trade to go from 12 to 3, mm-hmm. the word was Shanahan really liked Mac Jones. Um, I just don't know. I mean, he had an incredible year this year, completing 77% of his passes. But my concern is with Alabama, especially this year's team, and last year for that matter, when he took over for Tua when Tua got hurt, mm-hmm. there is so much talent that how much of it is him being that good or how much of it is the fact that you had Jerry Judy, the number one pick for the Denver Broncos, Henry Ruggs, the number one pick for the Oakland Raiders last year that went 11 and I believe 15 last year. Mm -hmm. You have Jalen Waddle, who's expected, and we're going to cover this in the draft, to be a top 10 pick. Devontae Smith, the Heisman, who's expected to be a top 10 pick. Mm -hmm. Najee Harris, who's expected to be a first-round pick. And then five linemen that are all going to get drafted. Mm -hmm. So how much of his success is the fact that he never has duress and his receivers are always open? I don't remember another quarterback in the NFL or in college that has ever had the luxury of throwing to four number one picks um, at one time. You know, so... I'm a little bit more cautious with Mac Jones. I don't think he's as uh, athletic for sure as the other quarterbacks. I agree. Um, And I've heard people say, you know, he he could be like the next coming of Tom Brady. That's way too much praise. (laughs) Um, And you and I are Tua fans, but I think we kind of saw that. The adjustment for Tua, and I believe he will adjust, but the adjustment for Tua coming off an injury – and the fact that he doesn't have the luxury of all those number one wide receivers was tough for him. It was. And it's going to be an adjustment. And I believe he's better than Mac Jones, which is why he beat him out at mm-hmm. Alabama and mm-hmm. he was the starting quarterback there. So that being said, can Mac Jones come in and do well? Now, here's the caveat. If he goes to the 49ers with their road, their um, zone running Scheme, a good offensive line, and Kyle Shanahan, mm-hmm. he could have some success. But I think any quarterback the 49ers take at this point is going to have success with that team and that coach. Yeah. As a GM, though, I mean, uh, look, uh, my thought process on top of that, you picking that high when you're going to be picking in the top 10, top 5 for in this instance, you know, as we're projecting these quarterbacks to go. You want more of a sure thing, and I, I just don't. I, although I like Fields' athleticism, I think he is a home run hitter. I, it's a, it's, it's. You're gonna hit the home run, or you're gonna swing and strike out with him. I mean, all the intangibles that you mentioned, or all, all the attributes that you mentioned, reminds me of one James Haskins. You know, I mean, and look where he is. He's, he's, he's traded. He's, he's the he's, starting quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He is the fourth string quarterback <laughs> for the Pittsburgh. The future <laughs> of the Steelers, Ernie. <laughs> but that, that that is my concern. I mean. Yes, swing for the fences, not in the top five rounds. You that will set your franchise back, as we've seen in in past busts for years. And that's right? what makes it interesting. Yeah. I mean, you, you you're right. I mean, if you pick the wrong, and this is history is showing that fifty percent of the quarterbacks drafted in the first round mm-hmm. are busts. Mm-hmm. Um, and anytime there's a quarterback that goes one two, one of them is a bust almost all the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, you go back to the last time that happened, you had Jared Goff and Carson Wentz. Kind of unfair to call either of them a bust at this point because they're still young. Before that, you had Jameis and Marcus, Mm -hmm. Mariota. They're both probably pretty similar at this point in time. But if you go back to the days of Peyton Manning and then Ryan Leaf, 
or Andrew Luck and RG3. Um, those are situations where the one of them was an absolute superstar and the other one was a bust. So in this case, these five quarterbacks, history will tell us that three of them will work and two of them will not. Mm-hmm. And I think it's pretty obvious that Trevor Lawrence is probably going to work. So which of the other two are going to be the busts? Yeah, that's going to be very interesting. I mean, I, re- I mean with with just quarterback play, take out all the hype, arm strength and whatnot, I like, I like Wilson, you know. But this is the NFL, bigger, stronger, faster. Yeah. I mean, those are adjustments that he's going to have to make. Yeah, and but- Colin Cowherd has been saying this for the last two weeks. I just don't get the Zach Wilson thing. He thinks he's too thin. Uh, he hasn't played great competition, but neither has Trey Lance. Mm-hmm. But I think in Zach Wilson's case, he's he's a little bit thin, thinner than the others for mm-hmm. sure. But you can always put on weight. I just feel badly that in this whole situation with the with the Jets, there's just no talent there. Mm-hmm. There's no line. There's no receivers. There's no running back. I mean, the the positive for him maybe if they hang on to Sam Darnold is Sam Darnold will take the cracks again this year. Let Zach Wilson bulk, bulk up a little bit, learn the offense, get some more talent in there. Maybe he can he can do the Patrick Mahomes route mm-hmm. and come in next year with a better team surrounding him. Mm-hmm. Um, but, man, that team's brutal right now. And I wouldn't want to be drafted into that situation. Right. And, and, and exactly to your point, I don't think we can really judge these quarterbacks at least until two, three years, you know, after they get picked. Yeah. I mean, as we've seen, people can have great first years. Uh, but it, it, it's it's going to show that the the time that these quarterbacks put in, the success that they put in during that time will dictate whether they were a bust or, or wins. You know, there was one quarterback that uh, is not high on the radar, probably will be a mid-round pick, that I heard so many people this week uh, listening to people talk that said, be careful about this sleeper. Watch for this particular player. And this is Stanford quarterback Davis Mills. The exact word that I heard from these quarterback gurus is this kid can spin it. Mm -hmm. He can really spin the ball. Mm -hmm. But he didn't have that much playing time. Mm -hmm. So Davis Mills, maybe somebody else the Steelers can pick up to back up Dwayne Haskins. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Maybe. I doubt it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So Ernie, this week, um, whether it be Mel Kuyper or Todd McShay, they, they tend to have the biggest following in terms of mock drafts and Todd McShay came out with his, I believe it's the fourth rendition of his mock draft. So let's go go through this mock draft real quick. Sure. Um, The obvious first pick, like we talked about, was Trevor Lawrence to Jacksonville. Again, we've already discussed the Jets taking Zach Wilson with the second pick. And then he has Mac Jones going to San Francisco with the third pick. Based on what you said, if San Francisco's taking a quarterback, you would go Trey Lance instead of Mac Jones there? Now you have me thinking over there, okay? Now you have me thinking. If if they really want... Now, I don't know because smoke screens do happen, and we've seen that time after time that they mentioned they are interested in one quarterback and go after somebody else. But knowing, knowing San Francisco, I believe that they go first for, for Mac Jones. That would be the case where I would pick Mac Jones over... This is where I think there's a smoke screen, but I don't know why they would need to make a smoke screen there because right now Zach Wilson's going two and Lawrence is going one. They can choose whoever they want. I think unless there's going to be another trade and Garoppolo is leaving, I think this makes perfect sense to take a Trey Lance. 
Um, because again, you have Garoppolo still there. Garoppolo can start this year. You can develop Trey Lance or even Justin Fields or Mac Jones for that matter. But I think who has the biggest upside? Take the player with the biggest upside. And I believe that's either Lance or Fields. I think Jones's upside is capped, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean he couldn't be the best fit for Kyle Shanahan. And that's where I look at. I, I see that being a, a fit purpose. Okay, so uh, with the fourth pick, he has the Falcons taking tight end from Florida, Kyle Pitts. Personally, I think Kyle Pitts is the second most dominant player in this draft. I agree. After Trevor Lawrence, I mean, when he was playing this year, it was touchdown after touchdown Touchdown. after touchdown. Um, He tested this week lights out, a 4-4-1 for a tight end position, 83-inch arm span. So you throw the ball anywhere near him, he'll snatch that. With those long arms, it's hard to bench. He still put up 25 reps in the at 225. Um, he broad jumped 10 feet 9 inches, which is spectacular. He's a freak of an athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't think the Falcons would take him. Um, and I'm kind of hoping he goes to the Dolphins so that Tua can throw to him. <laughs> um, but Kyle Pitts is a freak. And he at his pro day, he said... My goal is to be the best tight end that ever lived. And if you were to make a prototypical tight end, Mills would be it. I mean, he checks all the boxes on top of that. One of the most dominant tight ends I've seen in in a generation, I would yeah. say. I mean, I, 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 I mean, and then they say that you never draft a tight end this high, but he's a tight end in name. You can spit him out wide. He's big. He's fast. He can. He's a, gonna be a nightmare of a matchup yeah. for anyone. Exactly. He, I mean, he's just. He's basically. They say don't draft a tight end, but they say draft the wide. You can draft the wide receiver. I mean, they, I would. He is the best receiver. Period. Uh, yes. Period. I, yes. I, I would agree, and I think he's gonna be a matchup nightmare. Yeah. He's too fast for any linebacker, and if you put him with his six five, eighty three orange frame against a safety. All you got to do is throw it up. Exactly. He'll be unstoppable. Yeah. He's going to be a Kelsey or a Kittle type player with way more athleticism. Exactly. I expect him to be a star. Yeah, red zone nightmare from the onset. From the onset. So we agree that he's probably the best player on the board, and the Falcons taking him is a surprise to me. Then at number five, the Bengals he has taking – Wide receiver from LSU, Jamar Chase, who I believe is another freak. I believe he's another spectacular player. They believe, uh, McShay believes that Jamar Chase will be reunited with Joe Burrow, his LSU teammate Mm -hmm. uh, on the national championship team because Chase opted out this year, didn't play this year. Mm -hmm. But 6'1", 4'3", speed, big, chiseled body, great hands, um, great player. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Following the heels of uh, Beckham, I mean, one of those other uh, SEC, LSU receivers out there that, you know, they don't do wrong. Yeah, they, I, they really don't. I mean, they, 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 they have the pedigree and they've proven it on the next level. I mean, and uh, just based, up, based on all of uh, the measurements, I mean, he, again, another, another athlete out there that checks all the boxes. For his position. Yeah, it really is a strong top part of this draft. I mean, this this draft in general is very heavy in offensive skill talent. Mm-hmm. Um, it's You're not going to see too many defensive players. It's all quarterbacks. It's all wide receivers. It's a tight end. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, as a Steeler fan, you're going to be scared because Chase and Burrow will be lighting up the Steelers for years to come. <laughs> At the, with the sixth pick, he has Tua reuniting with one of his wide receivers. This time it's Heisman Trophy winner Devontae Smith uh, going number six. What do you think about that? That I, I, though I like Smith, I love everything about him other than his frame. He does not fit the bill on the frame side. The NFL is going to welcome him and he's going to have... You know, I, I mentioned earlier that the SEC is like the NFL. When I say that, I mean as a little brother. He's playing with the big boys now. And we've seen how uh, the Judys and the Waddles were welcomed in. Uh, they, they didn't have an easy time adjusting, you know? Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I love him as a kid. Uh, he dominated this year. He completely deserved the Heisman. But I have my concerns about his ability to stay healthy with that frame. Exactly. Uh, that's why I'm really hoping that somehow Pitts or Chase drops down to, to number six to, to Miami. Um, and if Miami has to choose between Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle, I mean, I guess they're going to choose uh, Smith according to, to Todd McShay. At the number seven pick, he has a trade. The Panthers trading up from eight to seven to draft their quarterback. And they're taking Trey Lance, who you like. I like that pick. I like that pick. I mean, again, for all the reasons that I mentioned earlier, I, I, I just, I can't help but think of Mahomes way back when. I mean, yeah, you saw that he had talent. Yeah, you saw that he had the tremendous arm strength and everything. But you did not think that he turned out to be the quarterback that oh, he is. No way. I mean, I saw him a number of times because I, I, you know, I like Oklahoma, so I would watch, mm -hmm. you know, those games, and it was shootouts every time. But never in my wildest dreams that I think he would be what he has come out to be. I just thought he would be like everybody else before him, right? Who had put up tremendous stats, the Case Keesums, and um, you know, those those type, the Graham Harrells that never materialized in the NFL, but. So I mean, he was definitely different. You never saw the no-look pass then. <laughs> well, not like how it is now. Uh, it, it was crazy. So the, according to this draft, Detroit does well. They trade from seven to eight, and they pick up additional draft picks because mm -hmm. they weren't going to take another quarterback. And according to McShay, they take wide receiver Jalen Waddle from Alabama, which is pretty good. I mean, they got Jared Goff from the Rams, and – all their wide receivers left, so there's nobody there. Mm -hmm. So I think in fairness to Jared Goff, giving him a weapon would, would be helpful. Mm -hmm. So agree. number nine, they've got the Broncos, and I think the Broncos really want a quarterback. They were looking for ways to get Russell Wilson. They were looking for ways to get Deshaun Watson before his life has fallen apart. Um, and they're still looking for ways to trade up. I kind of think Denver's going to end up in that Atlanta Falcons pick and pick one of the Justin Fields or Trey Lances or Mac Jones. Uh, but here, they have them taking quarterback Patrick Sertain from Alabama. Mm -hmm. So three straight Alabama picks and four of the first nine come from Alabama. That's surprising. That is surprising. I, I, I would figure that Denver would make a bold move considering how they struggled the past few seasons. Uh, Sertain being uh, a very... Uh, prominent uh, safety at uh, he is not that type of player to make the needle move in in so many words. Yeah, I mean, I would think that he would probably. I would expect him to go with something a little bit more with more weapons. And then Dallas at ten takes another quarterback. This time it's J.C. Horn from South Carolina. Dallas' secondary does need work. They just invested for $40 million a year in Dak Prescott. Their mm -hmm. offense is loaded with people. Their defense needs work. 
So they must feel that J.C. Horn is going to be the best one on the board for them. Um, it remains to be seen. With the 11th pick, McShay has the Patriots trading up four spots from 15 to 11 and taking Justin Fields. (laughs) Justin Fields to the Patriots to back up Cam Newton. What do you think about that? That is a very interesting pick, I mean, with what they got. And I can see that under the Belichick, uh, under Belichick's tenure. I mean, uh, he'll probably ride Cam Newton as, as long as he can. You know, considering what uh, uh, lack of success he's had this past year. But, again, picking up fields is a swing for the fences. I mean, I believe that uh, if the Patriots make that move, that they have the confidence or they see enough in fields that they can tone him down, balance his offensive prowess with, uh, you know, uh, just the, the... the quarterback play that's been known to be uh, the Patriots style, and hopefully they can fit that mold. You know what I think Belichick would like about Justin Fields is in two years with the Ohio State Buckeyes, other than one or two games, he never turned the ball over. Mm-hmm. I think he had two interceptions in his first year at Ohio State. I think this year he ended up with five. Um, he doesn't turn the ball over, which is something that Belichick looks for, mm-hmm. which is not really something you can say about Cam Newton. But again, Cam Newton's only there for a year. So again, it's a great situation. If you have, you're investing in Cam Newton, Justin Fields can do some of the same things that Cam Newton can do. So you have some continuity in building an offense for the future if that's where you're going. On the surface, I think Mac Jones is a better fit for the Patriots because I think he's more Garoppolo-like, which is, seems to be more of what the Patriots like in their quarterback. Exactly. I mean, speaking to your words, I mean, if, if, you're, if you're telling me that uh, Justin Fields is the type to show up last and leave first. I mean, that's definitely not a Belichick type of yeah. play. Yeah. So if, if that, so if this happens, that leads me to believe that that's probably not true. Yeah. Um, but you just never know. Now at thirteen, I think this is an absolute steal because he has the Chargers taking offensive tackle from Oregon, Penny Sewell, who is in many people's eyes a top five talent and many of them have them in like the three or four spot in terms of their overall ranking Mm -hmm. so if the Chargers can get a left tackle for the future at the 13th pick I think that would be incredible I actually expect him to go to the Bengals where the Bengals are going to do everything in their power to protect Joe Burrow Mm -hmm. after he's already torn his ACL so I would expect him to go there because they have some talent already on the at the skill positions but if the Chargers can get them at 13, that's an amazing pick for them. Protection for Justin uh, Herbert. Uh, and the Chargers are on their way. They stole the Rams' defensive coordinator. Um, and there's so much talent there. They oh, yeah. underachieved the last few years. If they can stay healthy, that'd be a great pick for them. Oh, definitely. I mean, with, with Herbert and his development, I mean, I, I can see why they would make that pick. It reminds me of the Tunsil pick uh, when Miami took him when he fell down. Right. Uh, he, I believe he was projected one or two, and he left 10 or 11. Well, the difference is he had a bong in his mouth yes. during draft day, <laughs> so that's why he, he plummeted. Um, but speaking of Tunzel, I mean, now that with that Miami trade, they got two number ones for Tunzel last year, and then they traded the Tunzel pick, the number three pick in this year's draft, for two more number ones from San Francisco. So they essentially traded Larry, uh, Larry Tunzel for... Four, four number, number one, one picks. 
Genius. That's like Russ and Wilson-esque right there yeah, uh, for a tackle. So a run on offensive lineman, Rashawn Slater, a tackle guard from Northwestern, goes to Minnesota at 14. And at 15, the first real uh, front seven defensive player, the Giants taking inside linebacker from Notre Dame, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. <laughs> As you can tell by my lack of pronunciation, Wait. I don't know a whole lot about it. Yeah, because, and if you mention linebacker, I kind of believe the Penn State linebacker is not even ahead of him. Micah Parsons. So yes. what they have here is he has another trade. So he had the Giants actually sliding back from 11 to 15 with that Patriot trade. That's how they get this. And now you have the Dolphins trading up from 18 to 16. Um, with the Cardinals and taking a guard from USC, Elijah Vera Tucker. He has been rising fast up draft board. So, mm-hmm. again, if you're going to have protection for Tua, you got to invest in him. So, you got him a wide receiver with the first pick. Now you shore up your line with the second pick. Mm-hmm. That's good. I like that pick for him. I mean, build around your future. I actually prefer Najee Harris there. If you're going to go at all Alabama players, I think a big <laughs> running back would be great for Miami to help. But now it's the Vegas at 17. They've got safety from TCU, Trevon Mooring. Uh, who cares? I don't even know who that guy is. <laughs> another, another, another Davis debacle. There you go. Another one. Then Arizona with the Miami pick. Uh, take Caleb Farley, a cornerback from Virginia Tech. Now, if you remember, Patrick Peterson just left the Cardinals and signed right. with the Vikings, right. so you have to fill that void. So that makes total sense, picking up a quality cornerback from Virginia Tech. And then at the 19th pick, you have the Washington football team taking an offensive tackle from Virginia Tech, Christian Darasaw. Again, investing in their offensive line. Um, still don't have a quarterback. Yeah, exactly. You that's, know, they still that's don't the have part. a quarterback because they have Ryan Fitzpatrick, but all five quarterbacks are gone already at this point. Mm-hmm. So the, it would be a reach to take Kyle Trask here. Um, so I understand taking an offensive line and investing there because the defense is already solid. And then at the 20th pick, wide receiver from Florida to the Bears, Kadarius Tony. I love this kid. He's blazing fast. Mm-hmm. Um, he was one when the draft process started, I was hoping would go under the radar and slide to the Rams in the middle of the second round. Forget it. He's now solidly <laughs> in the first round. He's blazing fast, an absolute playmaker. And now that they kept Allen Robinson, you have Allen Robinson and you have this guy's speed on the other side. Now you've got something cooking there. To be no, 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 yeah. Oh, wait, you have Andy Dalton. Andy <laughs> Dalton is going to be who throws it to Kadarius Tony. The big red. Yes. I mean, Tony's a great player. Um, 21, you've got the Colts taking defensive end, Quiddy Pay, Quiddy Pay from Michigan. I don't remember the last time that it was 21 picks before a defensive lineman went. I mean, in recent years, it's lineman after lineman after lineman, pass rush, tackles. 21st pick before the first D lineman, true D lineman went. Yeah, you're right. I, uh, last year was Chase Young. At two. Yes. And then you, you've you always had the, the Aaron Donalds with the Quinn and Williams right. and, and all of these players from, from Clemson, their tackles and their, their defensive ends. And weak year this year. So the first one is at 221 to the Colts from Michigan. At 22, the Tennessee Titans select Greg Newsom, a quarterback from Northwestern. Anyone from Northwestern should probably be more of a doctor instead of a cornerback. <laughs> but... 
two Northwestern players in the top 22. That's incredible. <laughs> and you know they're going to be smart, you know, so I can see. And then the Jets, with their second pick, the Jets take Travis Etienne, running back from Clemson. Oh, my goodness. So they try and give, give Zach Wilson some help with a running back. But I view Etienne more as – and he's explosive. He's so exciting. He did tremendous things at Clemson. I'm not sure he's a three-down back. I'm not I sure agree. he has I, the ability to play three downs. I agree, and more so, I don't like that pick just because of the personnel currently on the Jets. I don't think he fits that mold. There is no personnel on the Jets right now, <laughs> so no one fits any mold. <laughs> the mold is broken. And there are people in New York listening right now, they're all like, either they're hating me right now, or they're like, man, that guy's talking sense. He's making so much sense. He's so right. We suck. And then, at 24, your Pittsburgh Steelers. Najee. Najee Harris, running back from Alabama. He belongs in Miami, but he'd be awesome for the Steelers. I like, I like that pick. Personally, I would have t- taken Etienne. But you know what? That's, I like that pick. I mean, just because he fits that mold... I personally really like, I'm an, and I, I say this knowing that our offensive coordinator this year is Canada. Canada has always done well wherever he's went with fast, elusive scat back type, more in the ATN mold. But Najee Harris is an incredible talent. He fits actually the Pittsburgh mold. Yeah, he totally fits the Pittsburgh mold. And, and I think one of the things that I would consider by the Steelers is that it's been a few years since Le'Veon Bell went mental with them and mm-hmm. then eventually left, that they really haven't had health at the running back position. James Conner always had the ability, yes. but he couldn't stay healthy. Mm-hmm. His backups can't stay healthy. Najee Harris is a bruiser that can take punishment. His pro day kind of looked like Derrick Henry's pro day. He has a similar build and a similar mm-hmm. style. Mm-hmm. And if he could be 75% of what Derrick Henry that. has turned out to be, I, I think he's a perfect fit for the Steelers. That's why I don't want him to go there. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that sounds like the Jerome Bettis Rams. Yes, I mean, we practically <laughs> gift-wrapped him for you. But that's okay, then we got Marshall Falk there. And then at 25, Jacksonville, using our my Rams pick that we got for Jalen Ramsey, taking offensive tackle, uh, Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State. So again, you have Trevor Lawrence. You've got to invest in protecting mm-hmm. him. They have some skill position already there, and they have a good running back. Mm-hmm. So investing in offensive line, I think, is smart. Then the Browns take at 26. They've been looking for pass rushing help all offseason. They take defensive end from my University of Miami, the U, Gregory Rousseau, who's a beast. The guy is 6'6", six, six, Long arms, opted out this year, mm-hmm. second in the nation last year to Chase Young with 15 and a half sacks. Mm-hmm. The question with him is, does he have the motor every single down? Because he's dominant. He's a physical freak. And if you had him on one side uh, and Garrett yeah, on the I other know. side, that's, that's going to be scary. So Gregory Rousseau representing the U to the Browns. And at 27, the Ravens take the other side of the wide receiver Tandem at LSU, Terrence Marshall. So again, still going uh, wide receiver. They lost out on Juju. Um, Mm -hmm. And then they lost out on somebody else this week, another wide receiver who decided to stay home. I forget who that was. Um, So they're going to have to draft one. No one likes to play for the Ravens. 
They're birds. <laughs> They're just birds. Did you? By the way, did you see how much uh, Tyler Lockett got today, uh, this week from the Seattle Seahawks? He had signed a four-year extension for just under seventy million dollars. Oh my gosh! So it was eighteen million dollars a year for Tyler Lockett. You know what? So the Seahawks are doing everything in their power to keep Russell Wilson happy. Yeah, but that's that's the, that's the game now. It's all it's yeah. all pass-oriented offensive line. Yeah, so they're strong there. The Saints take wide receiver from Ole Miss, Elijah Moore. You know, Old Miss has been pumping him out recently. I mean, like DK Metcalf and uh, and the kid from Tennessee. I'm drawing a blank on his name right now, but he's their leading wide receiver now mm-hmm. uh, in his second year. And Elijah Moore follows in that same mode. Big, strong wide receiver. At 29, they have the Packers taking inside linebacker from Kentucky, Jamin Davis. Again, anything Aaron uh, Rodgers asks for, they make sure they go opposite and they do something different. Mm-hmm. So instead of getting them another weapon, they go ahead and they get more defense. Which you know what, the Packers have offensive talent, you know, but they did lose Corey Lindsay, mm-hmm. their center, which is a big loss. And Bakhtiari tore his ACL in the playoffs, so I would have thought maybe reinforcing the offensive line might have been smarter here. But they they think linebacker, and then with the last three picks, you've got the Buffalo Bills taking. Another defensive end from my University of Miami, Jalen Phillips, was the number one recruit in the nation three years ago, went to UCLA, got into a car accident, had back problems, knee problems, got depressed, wanted to quit football, entered the transfer portal, sat out last year with my uh, two years ago with Miami, came back this past year, first team All-American, dominated. His pro day this week, he ran a 4-5-6-40. He looked chiseled. If this kid stays healthy and he is banged up, mm-hmm. um, he'd be scary with the Buffalo Bills. He was dominant for Miami this year. And with the last two picks, the Kansas City Chiefs take outside linebacker uh, from Georgia. Ajulari is his name from Georgia. I'm not familiar with him. And then the Tampa Bay with the last pick take an outside linebacker from Tulsa, Zavion Collins, who I actually saw tied to uh, to Pittsburgh in some mock drafts earlier to as a replacement for Bud Dupree. Yeah, so yeah. that's the end of the first round. Very interesting. I I, I, I like Todd McShay. I think, in my opinion, better prognosticator than than Kuiper. Kuiper is more of a network guy, and as we all know, you know, just by talking to personnel, they're never going to give you the full story. That's why I think that Kuiper's picks have fallen off in more more recent years. So I, I tend to lean towards. McShay, but with that said, uh, we still have three more weeks to go, and a lot can happen in three weeks. A lot can happen in regards to the free agents out there, the free agent signings, what's needed, what's not needed. So More trades. Ex- exactly. So, so just real quick, Ernie, before we go, let's go through our two picks in the second round, your Steelers and my Ram, because I didn't have one in the first round, so I need something to go on there. <laughs> just but with that. the 55th pick, the Steelers take... The replacement for Pouncey, center Landon Dickerson from Alabama. So that would be a good pick again. So you take two Alabama kids to join mm-hmm. Mika Fitzpatrick. They're going that route, you know, taking all Alabama kids, which I think is smart. Yeah. Uh, and then with the 57th pick, my Rams take Chaz Surratt, inside linebacker from North Carolina. Many people think the Rams have a weakness inside. I think our inside linebackers have been hurt all the time. I prefer a speed-wide receiver, but uh, Chaz Surratt, Again, as a Miami fan, I saw the Miami Hurricanes play against this kid, and he is sideline to sideline. So if he can help the Rams, I'm all. What, for what it. number pick is that? 
57. 57. And when did the Rams pick in the first round again? Uh, in the year 2037. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be 16 <laughs> years before the Rams pick in the first round again. Touche. I was going to call you on that, but you upped it up. <laughs> All right. That was fun. I mean, we're going to get... Ernie and I are going to do a full mock yes. draft in a couple of weeks, right? The week before the draft, we'll go through our mock draft in the first round. But when we come back, Ernie's going to close the show with his closing thought. All right, Ernie. Time to close the show. I'm always excited to hear where you're going because I'm the boring one. I, I talk specifically about sports, but you tend to, to really look around at, at issues that are in play right now. So I'm assuming that's where you're going, but exactly where are you going with your closing thought? Yeah, it's more towards that part. I mean, it's, I, I hate to say it, we live in an imperfect world. We all know that. Sports is, you know, I, I diverge from that. But sometimes you need sports to, to mingle on top of that to make it a little bit more interesting. So where I'm going for with my thought of the week is basically on uh, the recent... Uh, unfortunate incidents in regarding regarding uh, Asian hate incidents. I mean, we, we've all seen, we all know about the Georgia incidents. Uh, I've had personal uh, counselings in regards to my own daughter's feeling in, in the state of Oregon, and I figured Oregon was one one of the more liberal states. And that, and my forcing my daughter to choose uh, a place in Beaverton, Oregon, where she decided to move there because. There are more Asian people there, just for that fact, you know. So it's very unfortunate with COVID, and you know, to to all the families and everyone who was affected by that. My, uh, you know, my heart goes out to you. But for it to be uh, focused on a certain race or even culture to bring this about, to 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 put your energy and blame on. On, on people that you know had nothing to do with with the, with the, with this disease is 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 embarrassing. Uh, so just like how Black Lives Matters, I'm looking towards the sports community, especially the people in uh, with Asian backgrounds, to see what they are planning to do and ask the question: Should they take the same steps as Black Lives Matters and the the athletes? Uh, that are in tune with, you know, with that stance. Uh, the first name uh, that I think most people would associate uh, stepping up to this would be Tiger Woods. He is, of course, uh, part African-American, but the, the mother is Asian. Uh, I mean, that's how he got his name. His father uh, named him after an Asian officer from the Vietnam War. Therefore, his name is, uh, his nickname is Tiger. Uh, but he has been quite silent in regards to Black Lives Matters, and with his recent accident, I don't think he's going to say anything in regards to, uh, you know, these Asian hate crimes. Uh, we have people, I mean, just in today's game, uh, the UCLA player, Ju uh, Juzang, you know, I mean, I found out today that he's uh, Vietnamese, I mean, and he has the platform right now. Does he make... Uh, some type of statement in regards to these Asian uh, hate crimes. Now, I'm not saying that Asian hate crimes are the same uh, ideals as uh, Black Lives Matters. Uh, 
you know, uh, the things that happened uh, uh, on the Asian side on COVID versus uh, the African-American uh, side in regards to cops and, and, and whatnot are two different stories. However, uh, the end result has been death, has been violence. And to me, both, no matter uh, what provokes it, it comes up to the same result. But me being Asian myself, I've known the culture to be a more conservative culture, a more silent culture, a more, uh, we're gonna recognize this and we're gonna learn from it, but we're not gonna say much. And I believe that's why nothing has actually been said up to this point. I mean, we've been seeing this, I mean, COVID's been going out for a better part of over a year already. And these are unfortunately uh, coming up in the media uh, now that we're finally getting a vaccine out there. Uh, who's to say that this hasn't been happening uh, when it all first started and how many stories we've missed uh, in regards to these, these hate crimes? Well, I mean, the most vocal person, uh, unfortunately, is not playing, and that's Jeremy Lin. I mean, Jeremy Lin was really voicing this, and the first time that he had a platform was when the G League started, mm -hmm. uh, and he was trying to be as vocal as possible. But when you're not playing, it's hard to really be vocal, uh, and it's hard for people to to really hear your message. What I have seen is, though, some of the, the real um, proponents and supporters of, of Black Lives Matter uh, taking the stage for Asian hate. Um, Damian Lillard was wearing Stop Asian Hate shirts, and a number of these uh, NBA players were wearing it. But you're right. I mean, just by nature, the Asian culture is very conservative and very, I don't want to say necessarily laid back because they're intense in certain ways, but they're very humble in how they approach certain situations. Right. And they don't want to be too vociferous and, and too out there for the most part, especially at our age. Now, the younger, younger generations like your daughters and my daughters who are both uh, Asian as well, um, are more apt to be more vocal. But in professional sport, there's so few Asians. There are so few Asians. You're right, Tiger would be the number one person to do it, but now he's trying to recover from a massive accident. Uh, and it's just not his nature to do that. You know, it's it hasn't been, you're right, it hasn't been his nature to really take a stand about anything mm -hmm. um, along these lines. So, yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, it's going to be something that I think all of us have to participate in. And I, I think the, the BLM people uh, and the NBA players especially, who are always the most progressive, right. uh, are going to lead the charge with, with raising awareness. Um, and that's really what it is. It's raising the, the level of awareness because, you know, hate is just completely unacceptable no matter what. Right, exactly. But, but, what I'm worried about is to what extent do they do they uh, bring this about in regards do they do they know we have the Olympics coming up this summer, okay? And Which we, is in Tokyo, exactly in an Asian country. I mean, the, if if they're not comfortable uh, representing there, where are they going to do it? But again, like how you mentioned the culture, I mean, uh, it comes back to do, uh, I would say it's a culture where do not the, their thing is do not shame the family. Mm -hmm. Okay, so do they kneel? I don't know if they kneel. I don't know if they disrespect the flag, you know, because that 
I can see how how some cultures will not will will do that. I'm not sure if the the Asian culture is as progressive, you know, to demonstrate in that way. Yeah, I would, so, I would, I would be very surprised. I, I just think that the overall culture, just of Japan in general, is mm-hmm. one of utmost respect. So I think even the even the the foreign countries participating because no fans can go, no foreign fans are allowed in Tokyo. So it's mm-hmm. really the players that are going to be involved in this. Um, I think you have to show respect for the country that you're in, and because they're such a respectful nation, I'm not sure it's going to be massive. Um, you know, protest type situations there. But I do think it's an opportunity for for Japan itself to step forward and say, hey, we love everybody. Stop Asian hate. Because it's not just in America. We have a lot of Asians in America, but it happens in Europe and it happens in other places uh, as well. So I think Japan has an opportunity as a country to really bring light to this and shine light on this in the number one sports spectacle in the world. Exactly, exactly. I just hope it comes out to where, you know, all parties involved learn. I mean, being in the age that we are with all this communication, social media and whatnot, nothing is new. We get information at a, at a press of the button. Research people, research. I mean, don't pass judgment. Don't pass judgment unless you know what you're talking about. You know, a lot of this very unnecessary. I mean, we're going to have a hard time coming out of this COVID and we have bigger problems to, to, to worry about. I would rather have our sports figures concentrate on sports rather than, you know, being uh, a beacon for, for social ju- justice. That's just my opinion. But if it needs to be that way, it needs to be that way. Just what matter, uh, in what type of matter does it happen? So. Well, I think you and I both agree. Um, it's hard to disagree on any kind of a topic when you talk about social justice, but I, I think you and I both agree that there's way too much hate in the world. Um, there is so much more that we all have in common than we have that are different. Exactly. And we need to stop looking for reasons to find fault in other people. Exactly. And we need to start looking for reasons to find commonality with each other mm-hmm. because we're all human beings. We're all on this planet. We all should be working to and for love of each other. Unfortunately, that doesn't happen, uh, but we need to work towards that. Exactly. And that's you, me, uh, athletes, and everyone else. You know, setting the example of, of being the positive role models and the positive people and shining light and love on everybody. Well said, well said. Ernie, awesome topic. Uh, so true, unfortunately. Um, you really brought me down from the high of Gonzaga talking social justice at the end. I kind of balanced the emotion. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I mean, you always do a good job of bringing up controversial topics that I think just make people think. And you know, as, as entertaining as we want to be, as sports related as we want to be, sometimes we want to stop and make you think about what is right and what is human and what is the right thing to do. So I love today's show. I would not have loved today's show if Gonzaga had not won. It would have been a tough show to go through, but it made it so much more exciting. Again, we talked a lot about the NCAA. Probably one of, if not the greatest NCAA tournament yes. game in history yes. in the semifinals. Gonzaga pulls out a 93-90 last second 45-footer by, by Suggs to play Baylor, who romped over Houston. Monday night, number one Gonzaga, number two Baylor, the two best teams in the country for the first time that we can remember the two best teams in the country 
playing for the national title. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be amazing. So that's our show, guys. I'm going to remind you to hit us up on social media. Please visit us on Instagram and Facebook at Sports Rivals Podcast and at, on Twitter at Sports Rivals Pod. Share your feedback. Tell us what you think about our picks on quarterbacks. Any suggestions you want to have. We look forward to next week. And again, go Zags. Until next week, the Sports Rivals are out. Thank you for joining us on the Sports Rivals podcast. Check us out on social media at Sports Rivals Podcasts on Instagram and at Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter, where you can share topics you'd like to hear.